Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. That you're here. Well, are you there in the scriptures? Let's see what the Lord would say to us today on this Independence Weekend, you know. Have you thanked God this weekend? Have you thanked God this weekend? Did you know that under the direction of General George Washington, the 13 colonies rose up to say, we won't stand anymore for the oppression and tyranny of the government that is choking the life out of us? I thank God for those brave men and women who stood up to the government that was oppressing them and said, we've had it, no more. Should have been an amen right there. I thank God this weekend for the 25,000 in the colonial army who died so you and I could have the freedom to worship and peacefully assemble and bear arms and all the things, all the freedoms that we enjoy today. May we never forget the price that has been paid in blood for us to be free. Thank you, O God. So although we are externally free, my question to you today is, are you internally free? Are you free on the inside? John John 8, 31, then Jesus said to those who what? To those Jews who what? So is this a radical group of oppressors or is this somebody who had just believed what he said? He said to those who believed him, if, is if a conditional statement? Yes. If you abide, if you stay, if you stay connected in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. If you stay connected in my word, then you are my disciplined ones indeed. And... You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Notice that in our our exposure to this passage in verse 32, it's almost always disconnected from 31. You hear this quoted, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You can't know the truth unless you abide in his word. If you abide, if you stay, if you live your life in my word, it will make you free. Now notice what happened. They, those who had believed that he was telling them the truth, they answered him, we're Abraham's seed. We've got all the credentials. We've never been in bondage to anyone. Dear Lord, you ever seen, you ever read the history of the Old Testament people? 
What in the world were they thinking? We've never been in bondage to anyone. Even right then they're under Roman occupation. How can you say you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin, and the word commits there means whoever repeats and continually repeats and makes it a way of life sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. You guys have all the outward credentials of genetic privilege, but you are not internally free. You're a slave. Therefore, verse 36, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. How do you connect with the freedom that the Son gives you? Back to 31, if you abide, if you stay in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Are you internally free? Are you worried? Are you fearful? Do you continually project a bad result? Do you continually allow that, that projector in your mind to project a bad result? Worry and fear go hand in hand. Have you forgiven those who have offended and hurt you? Has that unforgiveness that has stayed there, has it seeped into bitterness? Are you free from jealousy? Do you secretly desire what somebody else has been given? Are you free from anger? Is there a burning on the inside of you that ignites at different times and the, you will deal with the symptoms but have never dealt with the root? Is there a desire of lust that is illegitimate, out of line with the Son who makes you free, out of line with the Word of God? Is there a, a, an attraction and an indulgement in that that is causing you to be internally enslaved? There are those who don't agree with me on this. But I believe with all my heart now, I especially want you guys to listen to me. Viewing pornography is adultery. Greed. Do I secretly desire what I don't have and can I never get enough? Pride, is it all about me? 
Does my whole world revolve around me? What about criticism? Do I find it easy to always point out other people's mistakes and failures? And have I begun, instead of praying for them and being patient, am I being destructive in the words of my mouth toward them? Are you, am I, internally free? Pastor, if we find ourselves internally in bondage, how do we get out? The good thing about the son is he won't leave you in bondage. He will set you free. Can I tell you something? There is nobody in here that doesn't need to be set free in some area. We've all got stuff, and we all have some pockets of bondage in our inner man that we need to be set free from by the Son of God. Let's just say it like it is. Everybody say it with me. Holy Spirit, show me those areas in my inner man where I'm not free. I need to get in partnership with the, son, the Word of the, of the Son of God and start abiding in that Word. I want you to notice something here. Notice that they got into an argument with Jesus, and Jesus told them, if you were Abraham's descendant, you are seeking to kill me because my Word has no place in you. Now remember, these were those who believed he was telling the truth. How many of you know that it's easy to believe he's telling the truth, but that's not the same as connecting with the Word? Notice in verse 41, Jesus goes on to talk about those who had initially believed him. He said, you are doing the deeds of your father. And they said to him, we're not born of fornication. We, we only have one father, and that's God. And Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me. I came forth from the Father. I have not come from myself. He sent me. Now notice in verse 44, he says to these religious professing believers, you are of your father, the devil. Oh my. How would you like to go to worship service and the preacher said, y'all don't even know the father. In fact, your father's the devil. How do you think that would go over? About as well as it did there. Wow. Can I get you to skip down to the last verse of the chapter? These who initially believed that he was telling the truth, verse 59, then they, these Jews who had initially believed, they took up stones to throw at him. How do you get from believing he's telling the truth to trying to kill him? Because there was no connection with his word. Can I tell you something? All religion will do is poison you and deceive you. Without connection 
with the word, without believing that word, listen, and taking corresponding action. Faith without corresponding action is dead, has no life to it. Abiding is more than just hearing in an initial response. You say, I don't see how anybody could get there. Turn with me to Hebrews 3. And boy, does this get convicting for me. And I'll bet for you. Hebrews chapter 3. Notice that this is spoken to believers. And in verses 7 through 11, the example is given to those old covenant people that had been called out and and shown miracle after miracle after miracle. You need deliverance from Egypt? You got it. I'll, I'll part the Red Sea for you. Oh, now you're stuck. You can't get into the land of Canaan because of the Jordan River? No problem. I'll dry it up. I'll turn it. I'll turn it. I'll put stones for you to. You'll go through on dry land. Oh, there's Jericho over there. No problem. Just believe me. March around it. Pray and believe, and I'll collapse the walls. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. There was miracle after miracle after miracle. These are the people that the Lord is talking to us here in these verses And he talks about how they hardened their hearts. Obviously, this this group that he's talking about was the group that had seen the Red Sea part. They'd seen manna come on uh, every morning to to provide for them when they didn't know how in the world they were going to live. These are not the ones who went on into the land of Canaan. But you get the picture. Miracle after miracle after miracle they had seen. But notice what he says in verse 11. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Beware, verse 12, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you, everybody say, that's me, an evil heart of unbelief. Everybody say it with me. According to the scripture, unbelief is evil. The heart of all sin is a failure to believe what God has said. And notice who he's talking to. Beware those of you who are family members in the body of Christ, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Here's a question I've been praying this week, Lord, Holy Spirit, show me any way where I'm beginning to to develop a hardened heart. Show me any way where I'm beginning to drift away in in any way from you. Show me any entrance of unbelief in my heart. Beware, lest there be in you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Exhort one another daily. Encourage one another. Stay in a place of encouragement. Where does that come from? From other believers who are accountable. 
while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You know, my mind and heart wanted to know today how could I begin to drift away from the living God? Are y'all listening to me? Nobody is incapable of developing a hardened heart. We are all capable of developing a hardened heart. Oh yeah, I don't care how much knowledge you have, I don't care how long you've been a believer, every one of us are capable of developing a hardened heart. Pastor, how in the world would that happen? Notice the first thing that I've put on your list there is intimacy with God begins to slip. The root of all our hardness of heart and the brokenness that flows out of our hardness of heart, the root of all that is losing intimacy with God. If I'm walking in intimacy with God, then those things that would destroy me fall off of me. When I begin to lose my intimacy with God, how do you develop intimacy? It takes an investment, doesn't it? Is it automatic? It takes effort. People say that works. It takes effort to develop intimacy. Do you listen? Do you talk? You've heard of the word prayer, hadn't you? Listening and speaking. If you wanted to develop intimacy with a spouse, would you do so by beating them up or criticizing them or always letting them know how short they're coming of your expectations? How did you develop intimacy with God? We just had an intimate time with the Lord this morning. There was praise and thanksgiving. There was an expression of love. Here's a question for me and you. Have I, am I losing intimacy in prayer, in time spent with God? Am I losing intimacy in praise and thanksgiving? Intimacy is also developed by hands-on fellowship. The Word says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together with other believers. Oh, I can worship just as well somewhere else. Maybe you can. That's not even the point. The point is God has told us to get together with other believers as you are doing today. There's strength built there. There's protection there. A hardened heart. When I begin to get, lose my intimacy with God, notice what happens. I begin to get deceived. 
I begin to think things and I begin to say things and I begin to do things that I either don't even know is wrong or I am quick to excuse. When I lose intimacy with God, I lose that presence of the Holy Spirit bearing witness in me that this is destructive, that this is damaging. And the more I walk away from intimacy with God, which is the root of all my issues, the more I walk away from that, the more deceived I become, and I begin to justify that which I'm thinking or speaking or behaving, which initially I knew was out of line with God's best, but now I am justifying it. Everybody needs this. If you had given me this or that, then I wouldn't have to do this or that or the other. Deception gets an entrance, and we say, you know, it's really not that bad. It's not hurting anybody. Everybody say this with me. The devil is a liar and the father of lies. One of the main ways that he deceives us is in getting us to actually believe that nobody's being hurt by our own inward embrace of things that are illegitimate to our Father. When intimacy, when intimacy is violated, deception is right there at the door. Those of you who are married, I'm talking to me, I'm talking to you. Invest in intimacy. And intimacy is a whole lot more than just sexual intimacy. Invest in, in let's all make a decision that we will begin to invest in intimacy. When intimacy is violated, deception comes. You get vulnerable to the lies of the devil. I'm talking real plain today. And those of you who are visiting, if you don't like plain talk, you may be in the wrong place, but it's okay. Then you start being real attractive to the evil one. Everybody here in ministry, listen to me very carefully, and the rest of y'all just indulge me a little bit because you know I'm a spiritual bishop now to several people. Listen to me. This is your spiritual daddy talking to you. There is an assignment by the devil himself against you. And it almost always has to do with the violation of your marriage. Well, I'm too old and too mature for that. 
Not unless there's a tombstone out there somewhere with your name on it. Some of y'all are hearing what I'm saying. You're not going to be very effective leading a faith family if your covenant relationship with your spouse is in chaos. If I am out of line and out of whack with my wife and I am violating my marriage vows to God and her, I have no right to lead you. Well, Pastor, in there forgiveness and restoration? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank God for that. Amen. But I have to be willing to humble myself and go through that restoration. And if I'm not, I have no business leading a family of faith. Amen? So y'all ought to pray for all of those who are in places of spiritual leadership and authority in your life. Pray for us. Deception comes when intimacy is violated. Then our personal disciplines begin to weaken. We don't really seek the Lord like we used to. We say, you know, when I was a young Christian, I used to do that. Oh, my. Back right after I saved, I did that. Wow. Our, our time in the Word, our, our, our worship, our... Listen, there is nothing wrong with the word discipline. Jesus said, if you abide in my words, then you are my disciplined ones. Those of you who are in business, do you appreciate everybody who does business with you? To some degree, you probably do, yes or no. But don't you appreciate those who have stuck with you, who've continued, who have partnered with you and believed in you when maybe you weren't at your best? That is a disciplined one. Jesus is talking about we can, we, listen, the disciplined ones are those who abide in his words. Paul is telling us, or whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, I know who I think it is, and you probably do too, but the Holy Spirit wrote it, and he is telling us, beware, lest you develop an evil heart of unbelief. Our disciplines begin to weaken. We begin to get isolated from spiritual accountability. You know why? Because we don't want to be confronted with our stuff. I've told several people lately, I admire those who deal with their stuff. 
because we all have it. I pity those who have now reached 70s and 80s who still haven't dealt with their stuff. That's who is to be pitied. Isolation. When you begin to retreat from spiritual accountability. Listen, if you have the right spiritual accountability, they're not there to beat you up or talk about how bad you are. They are to reinforce your character. Reinforce the right choices. Forgive you when you've made the wrong ones. But build you up. The word says, encourage one another daily, lest you be deceived through the deceitfulness of sin. Do you have accountability in your life? Or are you running from it? Distance begins to develop, not only from God, but from those who God has put in your life to assist you and to walk with you in this journey of faith. You begin to get distant. Oh, you may be there in body, but your spirit man is withdrawn. Wrong thinking patterns and inferior choices begin to grow stronger and stronger and get more strongly entrenched. And guess what? An evil heart is developing. We've lost our sensitivity to sin, and we've become hardened against the very heart of God. Where'd you get all this, Pastor? Did you read it? No, it came right out of my spirit from the Holy Spirit. What do I do about it? First of all, recognize that the root of all your issues is the loss of intimacy with God. You can stay couched in a religious environment you can, see, you can seem like the same old guy or a lady, but if intimacy with God is slipping, then you're on the way to a hardened heart. Recognize it. Ask the Holy Spirit to make you aware of those areas. I prayed this several times this week. Oh, Lord, don't let me miss this. Show me where I'm missing it now. And when the Holy Spirit shows you by the conviction of His Spirit and His Word, repent. To repent means not just to know it's wrong, but to turn away from it. Do you know that if you will make the decision, God will give you the provision? If you will say, I won't keep going down this path, then the Holy Spirit will enable you to take the steps away. But the Holy Spirit will not molest your will. You have to decide to cooperate, to repent, and to stay in a place, an attitude of repentance, not just an event, an attitude. In other words, re in, <clears throat> reinforce that repentance. Be fast to confess our sin. Reinvest in rebuilding. I know this about the Lord. If with all my heart and sincerity of heart, regardless of where I have drifted off to, if with sincerity of heart I turn back in repentance, He hears. He hears. 
And I also know this, that it is then up to me to reinforce those choices of repentance and begin to rebuild that which I tore down. First and foremost, I have to rebuild intimacy with God. My own confession, my own investment in the Word of God in prayer, my own return to spiritual accountability and covering and quit wandering off. Reinvesting in intimacy with God. And then, most of the time when I have lost intimacy with God, everybody say it with me, my relationships get wrecked. You ever notice that? You lose intimacy with God, you lose patience, encouragement, forgiving spirit. Oh man, worry and fear comes in, anger. So I need to focus on reinvesting in my intimacy with God because that's the root of all my hardness and my issues. So now I have to begin to say, Lord, what do you want me to do to reinvest in relationships with those I have violated? Are y'all listening to me? Depending on how deep and painful this is, almost never is it instantaneous. There's almost always a process involved. The process always involves you humbling yourself. Take, listen, taking ownership that you are the problem. Not, oh, you made me do this, or if you had been this, then I would have been that. God will not hear or answer that. That is not repentance. Take the ownership of the responsibility of what you've done to violate somebody else. Humble yourself. Pray mightily about it, that the Lord would give them His Spirit, His heart. And then take the step that you're allowed to take. You know what that means? Sometimes when you've violated somebody so hard, I see Christians who say, I've asked God to forgive me. Now, I don't understand why you won't just accept me right back. Why can't you act like God does? Why can't you treat me as if it never happened? They ain't God. You know what you're trying to do? You're trying to tear a door down instead of politely knocking and saying, I am the problem, forgive me. When you're ready to open the door, I would like that. Don't try to shame somebody with scripture verses. Don't try to tell somebody if they were the Christian they ought to be, they ought to just treat you the way as if it never happened and get over it. You're going to make a mess.
begin the process of rebuilding your intimacy with God and then humble yourself, take ownership of your own issues, admit that you've caused pain and ask if there is a way that you can get reinvolved and seek to rebuild that which you have violated. Can I tell you something? It may not look the way it used to. It doesn't have to. Somebody needs to hear this today. It may not look the way it used to. It doesn't have to. It's not up to you to try to force it to get back to the way it used to be when it was good. God is not even going to try to make you get there. You take ownership. You ask the Lord, what do I need to do to take a step in obedience to you? And I can tell you this, I look around this room today and I see many, many of you who've gone through incredible heartache and I see how the Lord has brought you on the other side. His grace is bigger than any mess you can be in. How many of you in this room today can say, I, there was a time in my life that my mess was so big I didn't think I would ever be free from it a single day. But God, in His mercy and grace, has brought me through. Would you raise your hand? Look at that. He can get you there. Everybody say this with me, Holy Spirit. Show me those areas in my inner man where I'm creeping towards hardness of heart. And I will repent. I will cooperate in rebuilding intimacy with you. I recognize that intimacy with you is the whole issue of my brokenness. In Jesus' name, speak to me clearly. Draw me carefully into obedience. And I decide today that I will cooperate with you in my restoration of intimacy with you. Believing that you can resolve any issue and bring me out into another day of obedience and fruit bearing and peace and intimacy with the Lord Jesus. Amen. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.